0: The uh, writer, Abby Schachter, she's a Jewish woman, marks the traditional Jewish Sabbath 25 hours from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday with her husband and her four children. And she says they aren't at the age where their peers are asking them why they can't do X, Y, or Z. But by the time they are, the rituals will be ingrained, she said. The idea of the Sabbath for Jews is to separate, literally, one day from the rest of the week. You're supposed to be engaging in very different activities, eating and socializing, and enjoying more quiet and downtime and prayer, said Schachter. When we first started observing a ritual Friday night dinner, lighting candles and saying the blessings over the bread and wine, it felt a lot like play acting. It's not something that comes naturally. The value comes in repeating the process over and over. And it is deeply meaningful because it is embedded in our family's life now it reinforces that our family is a unit and this is how we operate and it's a lot easier to do it when it's attached to something greater than yourself. We're doing this not only with living Jewish people but also with every Jewish person who has ever lived. You see, Sabbath done well is not private. It is about the restoration of our larger core community. I don't know about you, but when I read this, it just gives me shivers. Because I'm struck by how there is an absence of so many of these values and dimensions in our normal lives. And I personally love this because my son, he lives in Chicago, and, and uh, his boss is Jewish. And, and uh, this wasn't the case with the previous firm that he was a part of. They, they were also Jewish law firm. But he had to work all these weekends, and during COVID it just got worse. There, there was, it was 24-7. There was no, there, everything just broke down. There was no, there was no break for anything. But his boss currently practices these very same or very similar traditions that Abby Schachter talks about here, separating family, tradition, and no work, honoring the Sabbath. So I believe we have a great deal to learn about this Sabbath practice. And of course, this comes from an Old Testament teaching. Throughout the book of Exodus, for instance, we see God command the children of Israel to keep the Sabbath. And uh, was your reading from, was, your, what, was it from Exodus reading? Yes. To, to keep it in remembrance of their miraculous deliverance from the 400 years of slavery in Egypt. In fact, one particular reading from Exodus 31 says it this way. Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Two reasons, at least, that the Ten Commandments instruct us to observe the Sabbath, according to Professor Brad Kelly. The first, and I love this, the worth of people does not come from work. Life is a gift, not what we can produce. And second... The systems and structures of our world do not give life. God does. And the Sabbath helps us realize that our true identity and value come not from what we do, but from who God is and what He's done for us. And our identity lies in the fact that we are children of God, as we've just celebrated in our own Sabbath of a fashion in the Lord's Supper, not in what we have or not in what we have produced. All of this just an amazing and necessary truth. Lois Verberg says it this way, The Sabbath was called a sign of God's covenant with Israel and she likened it to it's like like a wedding ring is to a marriage. And not wearing your wedding ring suggests that you're not committed to the marriage. In the same way, not honoring the Sabbath showed contempt For the covenant that God had made with his people. Now, in Jesus' day, there was this enormous emphasis on the Sabbath. And if it would be possible to believe this, it had actually grown over time even from all of the passages we can find in the Old Testament period, by the time of Jesus, it had only grown grown through particularly that, that sort of silent period between the ending of the Old Testament and the coming of the New. You see, the Jewish people had been indifferent to the Sabbath, and they had been removed and they lost their land. Not just the Sabbath, but because of their indifference to God's laws. And so there was a determination by the Jews to not let this happen again. In trying to pay attention the second time around, they, 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 they sort of elevated the Sabbath to the point where they found all these ways of looking at it and, and coming up with rules around it, and they defined all this as work. And said, well, that doesn't work on the Sabbath. And they detailed all the activities that they couldn't, could and couldn't do. So as Jesus walks down the dusty roads with his disciples from one village to another, not far out of town, the crops were growing along the road, and they were on a path, maybe even through a field. Sometimes the path would go right through the field. And disciples would grab a handful of grain and they rub the grain between their palms and the husk would fall away and they would eat the grain. And in fact, this was a custom for many generations. The book of Deuteronomy actually alludes to this very way of finding your dinner. It said, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. The problem to the Pharisees was that the disciples were doing this on the Sabbath. In their minds, this was work. And to work on the Sabbath was against the law. And then as we noted in the text, Jesus takes an interesting approach, as he often does, and he responds this way in verses, we'll put up verses 3 and 4 again and read that. Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry and he entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions. You see, Jesus brilliantly quotes an Old Testament passage from 1 Samuel when David is running for his life. And David goes a little out of town and he stops at a tabernacle and he visits a priest there and he asks for some bread and the priest only has the bread that's been dedicated to the, to the tabernacle which was only for the priest to eat and, and, and he, the priest gives that to David and David and his men eat it. And even the best of Jews and Jewish scholars wouldn't have condemned David for this. So what is Jesus driving at in his story? What is the point of this story? And what does this all have to do with us as we're assembled here this morning? Well, I think on the one hand, it's the saying, in short, there are times to override the rules for the benefit of human beings, And that seems to come out. David broke the rules, however, in this case, human need wins over rule-keeping. And this seems to be just the opposite of the way the Pharisees saw the world, to them human beings must submit to every law, no matter what, no matter how hard, no matter the reason or the need and and and, and, and the intricacies of this whole discussion about how the Pharisees saw the Sabbath, and that all the teaching around that, which was extremely important in both the Old Testament and then to the the Jewish people of that day, there there are volumes and volumes and volumes written on both the laws and the laws about the laws and then how we keep the laws, and it all can get very complicated, and I'm going to bypass most of that today. But what I want us to see is that there's more in the text. As much as through our worship today, we have tried to point out the value and the importance of the Sabbath, of finding times to pull away, to separate, to be silent, to be quiet, to restitute community to honor those kinds of values that are important to our God and to our faith what i want us to see this morning is that is that jesus says that there is says something that would have shaken the pharisees to the core that's my focus jesus said to these men the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. I'm asking you to not gloss over the text. This is a verbal bombshell. These would have been fighting words. They would have infuriated the Pharisees. The issue isn't about law or keeping the law or even about the Sabbath, as important and wonderful as that is, it is about identity and authority, it is about lordship. Well, why does that matter? Why does it matter? What does it even mean? What does it mean in 2022 that Jesus is Lord? What does it mean to you? What does it matter? Well, that's where the rest of our text comes in to play, I believe. Soon, on another Sabbath, Jesus begins to teach. And in the synagogue... There is a man whose right hand was shriveled. It didn't work. Maybe he had a disease, or was crippled from birth, or his arm had been crushed in an accident. Will you just empathize with me for a moment? and hurt with this man? And Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life? or to destroy it. Next verse, please. He looked at, around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, so on the Sabbath, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This healing that Jesus brings is a perfect illustration of Jesus being Lord over the Sabbath. And the Pharisees failed to see Their way of looking at faith actually prevented good from being done. They had not noticed the man. And now they were so mad that they couldn't see straight. Now, how do we make sense of this? Because the Sabbath was magnificent. It's a great law. And we need, in all the ways that it makes sense for New Testament believers to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we need to understand it more, not less today. We need refreshment, and we need community, and we need joy, and we need it for God. But here's what the Pharisees didn't get. Tim Keller. An idol... Is anything more important to you than God? Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God? I hope as I read this, you're reviewing your own heart and mind and values. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give, anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would hardly feel worth living. The Sabbath is very good. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the great one. And I believe we are tempted day in and day out to trade the great for the good. The Sabbath is good but Jesus is great. And we make this bad trade by trading the great for the good. We distort the good, Allah, the Pharisees, and neglect the great. We get fixated on the wrong things, not only in the religious realm, but all, in all of life. In many areas other things become great. Not, they are not bad things, they are even good things. Making money relationships, family, school, work, achievement, exercise, fun, the exotic, the adventuresome, the erotic, politics, convenience, all at root is self-fulfillment. As I've said in previous weeks, expressive individualism, we become our own idol. And when we do this, it will not work in the long run for either the good or the great. When the great thing becomes our family, we distort it. When the great thing becomes our marriage, we will kill it. The family is a good thing, but it is not the great thing. When we set out on a quest for achievement, achievement and productivity is a good thing, but it's not the great thing. Now this may not have been the Pharisees' only problem, but I believe it was a significant one. And the good thing for them so took over that they forgot about human life. And they could only despise Jesus. They saw his true identity and it infuriated them. Now, listen carefully, and I'll be finished. I doubt whether anyone in this room despises Jesus. I mean, we don't despise the idea of Jesus. But the Lord of the Sabbath, the true Lord, the ruler, the master of our lives and of our hearts, and of our bodies, and of our minds, and of our passions, and of our values, and of our hopes, and of our interests, even the good ones. Maybe we too resist, and at times even despise the Lord. But you must understand this. He is a demanding master, but not so that he can lord it over you. He is a demanding master so that his lordship can provide you salvation. Life. Life now and life forever. Life to the full. And so he insists that we must not settle for something less than what we human beings were made for. Come on up, Jeremy. I give you one central question because it'll be enough to mull over this week. In what ways are you trading the great for the good?